Welcome back. Episode 117 of the Ranting Regis podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and I'm alongside my co-host, Brett. And today we have guest Conrad Jack. Conrad, how's it going? Uh, not bad. How about you? Um, the trade deadline targets or the depth in this market absolutely sucks. So not great at all whatsoever. So you think? So you think? I mean, is there a worse trade deadline in regards to like depth, center depth in the past 10 years? Okay, you have me there for center depth. I mean, it's it's bad. Yeah, because well, last year was the O'Reilly trade and a bunch of moves like that. Uh, the year before that, I'm trying to remember who was moved for centers. But this year, it's like the top centers are Elias Lindholm, Sean Monahan, and Adam Henrique. So and Monahan's and overrated. two two of them are already gone. Yeah. yeah. How about the Canadians fans wanting like Gabe Perot and a first round pick for Sean Monaghan? Like your your guy is a power play merchant. I mean, he is the opposite of an analytics darling. It is just a hard no on him. And Elias Lindholm, I mean, ever since uh, Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk left, it's I, I don't I don't I don't get it. I mean, I get it's the known, like, they're a top 10 pick and they have the name, so they're always going to have value no matter how bad they play or how average. But it's just like, man, like, you just think GMs eventually would get with the times. Well, I'm going to pick apart your first point there where you, uh, when you say about uh, Monaghan, like, and the power play merchant stuff, is we are already starting to discuss on how the Jets are not great on the power play. They're currently 24th in the league with a 15.6 power play percentage. So I think Dayoff is looking at plugging holes there, but it's not a Jets podcast, so I won't take up too much of your time. The second point that I want to mention is a lot of Habs fans thought they were going to be able to net a top prospect plus a first. It was guaranteed that Montreal was going to take a first. Hughes was pretty adamant from the time they acquired Monaghan is they're going to try and rebuild him up and move them at another trade deadline, which isn't a bad idea within itself. And now you have you have a player who's a decent center. He's very versatile. Like you said, he's mostly a power play merchant. But he's going to a team that's struggling on the power play. And these fans are thinking they're going to get a Dubois-like haul for this player who's coming off of injury. Like, I have his stats pulled up. He only played 25 games last year. 17 points isn't bad in 25. But it's such a small sample size after two hip surgeries. You can't gauge it. And I think going into the negotiations with Monaghan is Sheveldayoff was like, okay, there's a risk to reward here. We can give you a first for sure. But we can't give you a top prospect like a Barlow, a Lambert. I, I wouldn't say... I don't think McGordy or Lucius were on the table at all, but there was there was most likely no top prospect even considered to be moved. Is there anything about being a, a Habs fan that just makes you categorically delusional? I've never quite been able to piece that one together. Well, I'm not a Habs fan, so No, I know. I, I'm not I'm yeah. not a, you guys a Habs yeah. fan. <laughs> yeah. 
we, we last week there was the all of a sudden the or no no it was the middle of this week uh when the Kreider uh crashing at the carry price all of a sudden uh resurfaced again and it's like everyone sends that picture of literally what was it Yemelin's stick like bending across Kreider's legs and you're like it's right there it's just right there like it, with what logic are you using that it's not a trip and they're just like Nah, it's, it's not a trip. You ruined Carey Price's career. And then you remind them who won the heart the next year. But yeah. Yeah, according it, to Habs fans, uh, skating with speed towards a goalie in any capacity is a high risk play that should get a player banned for life. And it's like, do you watch hockey? Because driving the net is like a pretty common thing and collisions sometimes happen, especially when people get hauled down. I, I don't, that's, that is why I ask. I'm like, you know, I mean, every fan base tends to overrate their players and, you know, uh, expect more than they probably should out of uh, when they're moving, you know, one of their guys. Uh, but I've just found every interaction I've ever had with a Habs fan seem like they're especially crazy about what they think a valid return is. And, yeah, looking at Monaghan, uh, I'm a little higher on him than than, than Berkey is overall. Um, but... It's like no, he's not gonna. We're not gonna give up Gabe Perot and a and a first like that's that's in, that's a sheer insanity. Like he doesn't, he's not that level of player. And frankly, the only player, the only center in this current talks of of, of deadline acquisitions that could even begin to fetch anything like that is already gone. So it's like, what are you thinking right now? Um, but that actually brings me to the what would be the next highest um, acquisition for a center uh, in the market right now, which would be Henrique. Uh, what are your thoughts on him, his likely return, and uh, and that sort of thing? Henrik is – we were kind of already starting to uh, get at the point, and then you told us to shut up and start recording. So, sure. yeah, he's 33 turning 34. He has a $5.8 million cap hit. He's – I'd say about 0.7 points per game. The issue with that is you don't know long-term if he's going to be what you want him to be because he's he's getting up there in terms of NHL player age, and he, he could provide a, a ton of value for a team. However, the downside is he's going to be slowing down. He might not be able to be as effective as a two-center or two-C and now you have a guy who you're going to give up significant assets for taking up a chunk of your salary cap. Like something has to give. And I don't, when you say Henry is the next, the, uh, the next most expensive player on the market. Center. I can I'm... say yes and no. Okay. Center. Mm-hmm. I would say the one that's most commonly available, but I think there's a more expensive center on the market that's not as commonly available. But the whole issue with Henrique is the cap is even at 50% retained is not a lot of teams can fit that in right now. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I mean, obviously used to say though, is that's the Rangers advantage as crazy as it is to say that the Rangers have a salary cap advantage um, because every team would have to have him on retained, right? Like who, who would be like, what um, can you tell us like either what you've been hearing or what your thoughts are in regards to the return for uh, Henry? Because how much does that 50% retained even affect the price of him if everyone has to get him on 50% retained? 
Well, I would say the starting point is definitely a first-round pick and a decent, not a top prospect, but a decent prospect. Once you start getting into like the 50% retained territory is you're going to start talking like maybe a first, a second, and an okay prospect. If you want a third team to retain, look at the Ryan O'Reilly trade from last year, for example. Is Minnesota picked up a fourth-round pick and then another fifth-round pick for a bunch of trades just to eat some salary is you're going to have it's going to be these three team trades and it's going to be costly but that's the whole name of the game is teams are going to want to bring in a player that they feel is effective once you get into these salary retentions that's where that's where it gets iffy however there are teams with contracts or players who are on contracts that are underperforming right around the $6 million mark. So I wouldn't be surprised is if it's like, we'll give you a first top prospect if you take this guy and we'll take Henrik uh, off your hands completely. Who is the, uh, who's the other player that you were referring to uh, being a, possibly not quite as commonly available, but a, a more expensive asset? Casey Middlestat. Okay, tell us about that. So I don't know how much ESPN you guys follow, but I I get notifications all the time. It's Twitter notifications always have the insiders on, so I'm getting constant updates. And right around December, mid-December, I'd say, is there was just a bunch of chatter about Casey Middlestat. It's like, okay, he's coming off of a 59-point season, and so far he's got 42 and 49. Yeah. And I sent uh, Berkey the trade bait board that I have for a news and rumor column that I'm going to put up on Monday, I believe. And I'm looking through all of these names. Middlestat is making $2.5 million, and he could be a very effective second-line center given the proper team. He's playing as Buffalo's third-line center because you got Thompson and Cousins in front of him. Mm-hmm. I think if he goes to a new team with an expanded role and more of a hunger to prove himself because as much as he has claimed that he like Buffalo's my home, I want to say hockey is a business. If a team is going to give up two firsts and a top prospect for middle stat, Buffalo will take that deal and probably eat half of that contract. Well, I mean, it's not much of a contract to even to eat right now to begin with. And he's a, and he's on his RFA year, right? This is, this is it. Pretty sure he's Arbright's too. Yeah, I would think he would, wouldn't he? Yeah, that'd be that's yeah. rough. So that's like, rough. boy, I would love that. I don't think there would be a more ideal situation for the Rangers to fall into with the with the loss of Heedle, not just for this year, but potentially going forward as well as having somebody as good as Middlestat. Because, yeah, uh, yeah, 57 points last year and then a damn near point-per-game player playing on a very lackluster uh, Sabres team and, like you said, getting third-line minutes. So what is he, third-line power play two, I think? He's getting power play two minutes, right? I think he's their second-line power play. Yeah, he is getting okay. second power play because yeah. he was – I had to kick him off my fantasy team because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, third-line, second-line. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Boy, that would that would be ideal. I couldn't even imagine the haul we'd have to give up to Buffalo, though, to get him. It, it's going to be expensive because one is a cheap contract, 
Yep. And he's he's an RFA. He's club control next year. Yeah. So Buffalo will be exploring the trade market for Middlestat, but I don't think I don't think they'll be jumping at the chance to trade him. No. Is, like I said, it's going to take it's going to take a significant a significant offer for Buffalo to like, okay, let's see what you have. And that's why when the whole Monaghan to Winnipeg stuff broke today, I was like, okay, obviously Middlestat's pretty expensive because Middlestat was linked to Winnipeg for a while now. And who knows what Middlestat's going to cost if somebody gets him before the trade deadline. So like, I'm thinking like maybe because Chris Jury's done this the past two trade deadlines is what he's done is he's given a team a second round pick that could become a first round pick. Uh, I think the condition was both times if they reach the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, yeah. Maybe with Kane it was the Cup Finals. I'm not I'm not 100%. With Kane it was the Conference Finals. Okay. I know with Cup it was the Conference Finals. Um, but what I think is maybe if they did a second and then that like mid prospect and with the condition of if they if they reach these conference finals then it turns into a first which to give a first and the mid-route prospect for Henrik it'd be a massive pill to swallow but if you make it to the Eastern Conference finals it's gonna it's gonna be a lot easier to swallow that pill um g- going on to the uh next uh target former Ranger Anthony Duclair, what could you tell us about him? What have you heard and all that? I think it's this. I haven't heard a whole lot about San Jose, nor do I know a whole lot in the San Jose area. Is That's kind of out of my ballpark. But, like, San Jose, is a, they're a bottom team. It, like, they're a bottom team. They're going to be drafting in the top five this year. And I'm pretty confident it's going to be a top two pick. With that said, I'm also pretty sure is if they get the right offer for a Duclair, a Hoffman, even Timo Meyer, I wouldn't be surprised if, as if Mike Greer says, okay, let's do this deal. This is too good to take. Yeah, I mean, because they, they, they really need speed. Um, speed, a bit, a bit of toughness. I don't like to use the term grit because it gets overused and it gets used in a way where it's just just grit about a player. And that's when you get players like Ryan Reeves. Um, but obviously, Duclair doesn't bring the grit. He brings uh, the speed. Uh, Henry would probably bring more of the grit. But do you see a... I don't know. How many how many contracts... What's the maximum a team can of contracts can they retain? Three? Uh, three. San Jose is... San Jose has two out of three with the Burns retention and the Carlson uh, retention. So they got one more left. Yeah. Okay. So and that's good. that's going to cost a pretty penny for San Jose to retain now. But but it is it is just one year, though. Like, that, they'll get that yeah, back yeah. next year. Um, I mean, maybe there are other trades they want to also potentially retain and declare being $3 million. Might not be the one to use that retention, uh, but um, yeah, no. I, it's I, honestly, I was very into a Henrique Duclair combo for the trade deadline a bit ago. But I could understand why they go a different route than Duclair. Uh, but um, anyway, Brett, who, who you got? 
uh, that you're uh, intrigued by or want to know about? I, I just want to know more about Casey Middlestad. <laughs> <laughs> now that that's been mentioned, I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like being like, hey, what, uh, you know, uh, like what, what kind of ribeye or flame mignon do you want? And then you're like, hey, what, what seven, eight, day old ground chuck looks good to you now and you're like well wait hold on a second we were just talking about the ribeyes and the filet mignons i'm a little i'm a little disappointed now um uh i i guess like uh, the next one on our, on our list here to ask about um is uh tyler johnson tyler johnson that's chicago yep indeed yeah okay i, I wasn't quite sure but if I'm not mistaken, Johnson is a center. Five, Obviously, yeah. five million, I believe. Five million, I believe. Which I don't get. Elliot Friedman said, okay. "Oh, it might not have been Elliot Friedman." Someone said on like a big podcast, like you know, he's not a lot of money. I'm like, what? He's five million. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go near that. He's got 13 points in 35 games right now. Oh, and... I, I agree. But uh, we were asked because um, there was apparently rumors, quote unquote. If you bring Johnson in, you have to have a set expectation for him. Give him set, a set role and shelter his minutes. Because players like Johnson, if they take too large of a role, they're going to get exposed in what their weaknesses are. And it's the same with Eberle, which I was mentioning to Berkey yesterday in our chat. You have guys that can be impact players only in sheltered roles. And Tyler Johnson played a sheltered role quite effectively in the 2014-15 season. 29 goals and 43 assists. 72 points in 77 games. He'll never touch that again. He touched the goal uh, scoring mark again. He'll never touch 70 points again. Unless, say, the Rangers pick him up and he plays with Panarin and blows, like, start playing incredible. If Cody Blackwell I, could do well with Panarin, probably anyone could do well with Panarin. Yeah, that's fair. But, like, Johnson is, is a case of a guy who's going to get moved. Somebody's going to overpay for him, and it's going to be a direct mistake because it's going to it's going to regress the roster that he plays on. Uh, go, going on to another winger... Uh, Jordan Everly, uh, obviously you and I uh, chatted about this yesterday. Um, definitely intriguing, uh, though it depends on what Seattle's deal is, if they want to go for a playoff push or, and also the, the price, given that the Rangers' priorities at center. But what are your thoughts or heard and so on and so forth? I think the whole thing with Everly, it, it just depends on where Seattle is sitting in a playoff spot because they're 10th in the Western Conference. And in the wild card, the wild card race, they're uh, sitting in fourth. They're two spots behind St. Louis, and two points behind. But St. Louis has a game in hand, and Nashville is in front of them. But Seattle has a game in hand on Nashville. It entirely depends on how how confident Seattle is they're going to make the playoffs. So, I would look at that, but. I don't see St. Louis holding on to the wild card spot. I'm happy to be wrong, but Everly's availability depends on how Seattle's doing and 
what teams are going to be willing to give up for Everly. Brett, Brett, besides middle step, Brett, you got another? And don't uh, say like Dylan Cousins or Tage Thompson or anything like that. Like, uh, keep it realistic. Keep it realistic. But it's only, it's only Sabres that I can uh, find <laughs> for. That. Oh, well, well Vic, uh, Victor Olsen. I would love uh, – how about Jeff Skinner? Is he available? Oh, um, gosh. Nine million, though. <laughs> You're going to touch a so nine we, we million We have Jacob Truba at eight fire. million, and we want Jeff Skinner at 9.5 or nine million mm-hmm. dollars. Bring all now. the overpaid bums in. Yep. Do we just yep. want to like commit cap suicide? Yeah, basically. Oh, yeah, that's gosh, that would be... be looking at Toronto uh, then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I do, which which brings up an unrelated but tangential point that I think the best idea I've heard for how to restructure salary cap, and, and it definitely pertains to uh, Toronto's position, is that it really sucks to have to lose players or not be able to build a competitive team when you draft so well and developed three absolute top flight star players, and then you have to pay them according to what they're worth. And then all of a sudden you can't really fill out a roster um, with that. And I, and I just want to continue advocating and somebody else, and I can't remember who it was said this, that you should, that players that you uh, draft and, and develop yourself should only count half towards the cap. So that way, you know, Neilander's deal is only costing you five and a half million or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, that'd make it it wouldn't that blow would destroy up the Rangers. <laughs> it wouldn't give the it wouldn't give the rich teams uh, an absurd advantage. It wouldn't completely unlevel the playing field. But what it would do is is actually allow you to build a long lasting team by doing what should be incentivized, drafting and developing players as well. Um so that's just a side point that I wanted to make and I want to keep advocating that because I think it's a brilliant idea that that really would help uh uh, with these problems. But uh, anyway, as far as to other players, honestly, I, I look around and I'm, I'm not super pumped about what I see and what we'd have to give up to get it. Um, I, I'm not, I don't really have anyone else that that's, that's on my list that I'm super curious about that we haven't already discussed. Um, you know, honestly, like a, a redo of the, of the deal two years ago of bringing in cop and Vitrano seems like the, uh, the most, oh, yeah, that'd uh, be nice. Just for Toronto, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah it'd be nice. Also, um, though, that cost a ridiculous amount. W- what did Tanner Janot get last year? Tanner Janot went for a first, second, third, fourth, and a fifth, and Cal Foot. And Cal Foot was drafted in the first round. So think of giving up two firsts, basically a whole and then draft the year before. and an extra first. And then Hagel the year Pardon? before. Hagel the year before. Hagel the year before. Two firsts, Johnson, and another top player. Like, there's like the grudge that right now is insane. It makes no sense because, like, you look at who gets traded in the offseason Reinhardt to bring it. Unfortunately, Butch Nevitz, they all go for way less than this. That's why I say, I'm like, if there is a scenario, if there is a world where you're actually considering trading Taco, if there is that world. It would be insane not to tra- wait and trade him in the offseason when there are actual good options that aren't like a king's ransom. There, there are so many options in the offseason because teams have that cap flexibility. They, The teams that are trading away those players don't have that advantage of teams, other teams being desperate at the last minute 
or you know the last month uh and that bidding war but uh anyway go, going on to another name if they didn't get Henrik, uh the other option i was thinking was jack roslovic from columbus now obviously you and i spoke about him before um what do you see any scenario that Jack Roslovic gets traded out of Columbus? Because I know you, you mentioned obviously that he likes Columbus, and obviously that yeah. that's a rare thing. Like he's from Columbus, he's from that area, and the whole line a uh, line a Roslovic to Columbus for Dubois in a second deal. Chevy had his hands tied behind his back because. Line was disgruntled, and Roslovic wasn't going to sign. So he had to make a move. He's traded both of them, and Roslovic does great. So either Columbus is going to approach Roslovic and say, hey, look, this is the deal we have on the table. It's a business. We hate to see you go, and they make the deal. And I, I truthfully don't know what it would cost to acquire Roslovic. But it's also the matter. It's a matter of fact when you have a player like Roslovic who can produce. When he got to Columbus a couple of seasons ago, he was producing far more than he ever did with Winnipeg. So Columbus might, or New York might be looking at him and say, hey, like we just want a pure rental here. You eat half of the salary and we'll give you a first and this prospect that we're not high on anymore. Like, I don't think that's what it would cost, but like, it's it's a very good chance Roslovic goes back to Columbus in the off season. Got it. Um, two more here, but I wanted to go away from solely the Rangers for a second, just gauging the market in general in the NHL. Um, is there anything you could tell us uh, in regards to the NHL, the market in general with teams? Anything you've heard? Anything that? Uh, your opinions on or so on and so forth that you think either could shock people or um, I don't know anything in general. I think one of the, one of the trades that's going to shock a lot of people is Zadorov being moved again is like Vancouver gave up a decent price to get him. They're in a situation where they're going to want to add another defenseman, but that they're going to have to subtract from their salary cap man. If you look at their salary cap situation, they don't got a whole lot to move around. Like they just gave up Kuzmenko, who I also think might get flipped. That's purely opinion. Is the but is Zdorov, the Zadorov opinion or Zadorov is opinion, but it's also I look at them having eight defensemen and yes, Zadorov fits for what they're trying to do, but there's a market for big physically imposing defenseman come playoffs. And if Vancouver can get a King's ransom for Zadorov, they will. Like, like you said, look at Hagel. I don't think Hagel was on the move that, uh, that trade deadline, but we're at this point where is if a team can get what they can for a player, they will. Another cap casualty I can see out of Vancouver is Connor Garland, who, Three or two years after this year, he plays both wings and can drive the net pretty effectively. 
It's just he's only a 5v5 player. He doesn't play well on the penalty, penalty kill or on the power play. So teams are going to be looking at things like that. How can they improve their special units? What can they do to improve the chemistry on the team? And how does this player, who's only a 5v5 player, making close to $5 million, how do they benefit us going into the playoffs? Got to look at things like that. Is if the Rangers are going to be looking at adding another guy, they're going to be looking at all these things. And if there is ever a player that I think is going to get moved first out of the whole list that I have, you're going to have to look at guys like Zadorov, Hoffman, maybe even Gensel to be at the top of the list, especially now with the Lindholm being moved. Because Manko is also, he was one of the top targets. And now Monaghan. So teams are, they're either going to panic or they're going to, they're going to wait and they're going to test the market and see what they have. So anything else? Um, just, no, I, I just, I'm, again, I mentioned, like, I, I always see these Frankfurt Toronto things uh, about like a first and a prospect. Like, do they not remember the Hegel? Did you not like, do they not remember every trade deadline when there are players with term for some reason, it costs 10 times more than you'd get them in the offseason for some reason. It's ridiculous. And imagine what, what Toronto would get. Uh, what is he at? Like 3.5 million? Dude's an all-star? Like Dude's an all-star? I, 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 don't, I don't see how you could even afford that. Um, yeah. yeah um, I guess the last one is probably... My thing was... If, say, all these options go to hell regarding center, one option I was thinking of, and again, at that point, you're shooting in the dark. It's not necessarily going to work. You're gambling. Um, one I was wondering about is Blake Lazat. LA has to clear LA has to clear cap and a roster spot for Victor Arvidsson coming back. Uh, obviously, they just fired their coach today. Yeah, but maybe he has played. He's playing on the fourth line right now, but he has played third line center. And last year he had 34 points and 32 of them were even strength. That is something the Rangers sorely need. He's fast, uh, though there might be concern over injury, injury proneness. Um, that's probably a concern. But at that point, if you're shooting in the dark, I'd say go with him. Um I don't know what what have you what are your thoughts? Blake Lazat's out week to week right now, and yeah, it's no, kind of a, uh... it's a common courtesy in the NHL to not trade a player when they're injured. So it's going to be a lot of juggling, and the Kings might approach Lazat and say, "Hey, this is what we have. We know you're out. This team is really wanting you." And they might move him with an agreement in place with the player. I just don't see the Kings jumping right away to move the guy who's injured. I'm perfectly okay being mistaken here, but... No, no, it it is a fair courtesy. Yeah. LA also needs to add a goaltender because... Cam Talbot isn't doing good. And they good want Jonathan stuff. Quick back. <laughs> and Dave Riddick is nothing like he was when he was in Winnipeg last year. Is He's not able to ride the coattails of a strong Vesna caliber goaltender. 
And LA, if they want to make the playoffs and make a playoff run this year with the roster they have, they need to do some serious tweaking when it comes to their roster. And that also kind of starts with signing Dubois to that eight-year, $8.5 million deal. Can be considered an albatross, but you, you don't have the flexibility to add a strong goaltender, especially with the market right now and your lack of salary cap space because who who's LA going to move? Well, Blake Lazad is 1.9, correct? Yeah. And you got, like like you said, you got uh, Arvidsson coming back who's making over $4 million. Um, It seems like Blake Lazad, I, not... He is week to week, but it's, he is going to be back in mid-February. Uh, that's what, I mean, it seems. Yeah, um, and yeah. the deadline's a month away, so yeah, who's kidding who? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I mean, like, I honestly, I personally think Adam Henrik's going to be traded by Tuesday. Really? I, I think because of the 50% retained salary cap advance, yada, yada, out the window. Everyone needs that. Um, the teams that would, I, I don't see, I don't have exact feel of these specific teams, right? Cause y- you have to really follow them. Like no one from the outside would think the Rangers really wouldn't want to trade Jimmy VC, right? Like no one would get that unless you were watching Ranger games. Cause on paper, you don't see that, but he's a good defensive, reliable, def- um, winger defensively. And he's signed what for 800 K for two, uh, for two more years. So like, you're, you're not trading that with, uh, your lack of cap flexibility. So I don't know the feel of other teams, just based on the roster and based based on how uh, I follow them, the Dallas Stars they have same Sam Steele. That would probably be ideally they'd want an extra uh, another center, um, an upgrade. Colorado, man, dude, they need an upgrade in center. Um, and theoretically Tampa, but honestly, do they even have assets left at this point? Um, Tampa's they've exhausted all of their assets. And Winnipeg was the only players. one. Winnipeg was the only one that could threaten. The Rangers, because didn't they have cap flexibility? Oh, yeah. They were the and only the ones is, that would have the uh, threatened the Rangers with Adam Henrique because everyone had to retain. But if they went after Adam Henrique, they wouldn't have had to retain, or at least a lot. Yeah. Another thing with the whole Winnipeg and Henrique situation is mm-hmm. it wouldn't take a whole lot to move Nate Schmidt in that deal and just make it dollar for dollar is then you still have flexibility elsewhere. You can bring a Chris Tanev in and find another strong player to put into your top six. There's a lot of moves Winnipeg could theoretically make because between Alex Iafalo and Nate Schmidt, you have almost $10 million locked up. And if Shevel Dayoff wants to make a massive splash come playoff time, he will. However, this team is performing well they're not falling off a cliff like they were last year. So Dayoff might look at the team he has and keep it relatively similar and make a couple of tweaks, make a couple of additions, and call it a deadline. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, it, it's – I yeah, honestly, I didn't realize it until like, like a couple of minutes before this podcast. I'm like looking over. I'm like, who could threaten the Rangers of Rutan? I'm like, honestly, Monahan going to Winnipeg was probably best-case scenario. Um, because that was the, the one, whole, the whole thing with Monaghan is he wanted to go to Winnipeg. 
Right, but I'm and saying they were the only know. ones that would threaten yeah. the Rangers with their cap situation that could say, hey, we could just take Adam Henrik's contract or just take 25%. That's it. Um, but honestly, usually what happens is, is like when a trade like Linum happens, everyone's like, oh, now the ball's going to get rolling, this and this. But once everything calms down, everyone relaxes, everyone takes their time. But it's it's not this time because there's such a lack of center depth. It's it honestly might cause GMs to go into panic mode, uh, which is why I believe usually I'd say everyone's going to say Henry's going to be gone by next week. It's not going to happen. Everyone's going to calm down. But I don't think this year. I, I think this year might it might surprise everyone. Um, yeah, but I think Chris Jerry looks makes sure before he pulls a trigger on like a first round pick for Adam Henry or or maybe a little mid round prospect uh, mid. Uh, pick with it he's going to make sure whatever wingers whatever other other options he had he needs he's going to make sure the price is right first there then he'll pull the trigger on this because he's not going to pull the trigger on this and then be left dry with i have no more assets left to get any of these wingers um but anyway uh, i think that's going to wrap it up here uh brett you got anything before we go uh no no not at all but besides middle snap besides middle snap uh, no 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 besides i already uh, I I'll be dreaming of that for the rest of the day, but, uh, but thank you very much for, for coming on. We appreciate it and relating your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, pleasure. uh, before we go, do you want to, uh, plug in your Twitter handle, what you're doing? Oh, you can plug it in the description. You can follow me at Conrad underscore Jack one or one of the, I can't remember the variation that I have. It's something like that. Honestly, I forget the uh, podcast account also handle. Like everyone's like, what's the handle? Yeah. I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> You can also follow my writing on Inside the Rink. I cover league-wide, most specifically the Winnipeg Jets. I do a lot of the news and uh, rumors content, so you can follow me for that and see the nuggets I post. But yeah, thank you guys for having me, and I look forward to doing this again sometime soon. All right. Take care.